Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Mage Wars Mondays. I am one of your hosts, Rick Perez of Let's Level Up, and unfortunately Scott can't make it today, but the indomitable, I don't know if that's the right word, um, hmm, Aaron, help me out here, you're, you're, you're the wordsmith here. Uh, well, o only in theory, that's just what my degree says, <laughs> I don't have anything to actually back that up. Yeah, that's uh, fair. We'll go with indomitable, though, it makes me sound much more much more imposing and formidable than I actually am. Yeah, I mean, as far as everybody I've met in the gaming industry, Aaron is one of the most fierce, I think. Um, and that's probably not true, Aaron. I apologize. Uh, but I want to spread this reputation of you that makes all of the Mage Wars players kind of just quake in your essence, if you, if you would indulge me in that. Oh, see, this is going to be awesome, because, like... Nobody, nobody actually knows who I am. <laughs> I it's weird. No, we. The last time we had a post up, one of the gentlemen in the forums. Well, sorry, last time we had Majors Mondays up, we had a gentleman in the forums be like, "Oh man, I could listen to Aaron's voice all day." <laughs> uh, you know, like, this is awesome, and I'm like, "Dude, this is just how I talk." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh man, I didn't know you were you," because he didn't know. That <laughs> Madden fans was my name in the forums. Yeah. So yes, no, totally. Everyone needs to firmly believe that I'm, you know, a a tyrannical, uh, you know, crazy person. Yeah, he rules this I, podcast with an iron fist for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I am a steel plated marshmallow. <laughs> I got a mental. I got a mental picture there that's just. Perfect. I hope somehow that makes a Mage Wars promo card sometime. The Arid Brosman, the steel plated marshmallow creature. Oh my gosh, no, this would be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the uh, Big Hero 6 guys. The cards for the game. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, we wanted to have a really fun episode and kind of talk about a few different things. Um, and our, our main vision behind today's episode is one where um, we, we're just giving out tips and tricks of stuff that we like to do um in the game uh, you know spells that you can send out as feelers when or when not to use your quick cast and um in ways to help maybe manage your tempo a bit and give you some additional ideas of how to better handle maybe better is not the right word but other ideas for you to help maneuver your creatures and your mage throughout the arena and hopefully propel you to victory right um one of the first things i wanted to talk about is is quick casting it's, it's such a huge part of the game. And, and when do you take your quick cast? Do you use the first action? Do you use it between, uh, between activations? Or do you use the last activation, or rather the last quick cast phase? And all the answer, I think, is it depends on what you're trying to do. Um, Aaron, is there, is there a time where you could see their benefits in each of the three? And I'm sorry, and I'm lumping the between activations as one particular phase just in the action phase um but sure. is there is there a general time where you would play a certain type of spell in a different phase either the first middle or last um regarding quick cast spells than than others oh definitely um i think one of the biggest things um one of the big things that i noticed is uh well, any any sufficiently strategic game, there comes that moment where you've been playing for a while, and then the light bulb goes off in your head, and suddenly the game actually makes sense. Right. Um, 
and the best the best uh, example of that I can give is uh, chess. I remember I used to play my dad in chess all the time, and he just demolished me. And then one day, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually see the board. I might be able to win. I didn't, but it was just, it was like a brave new world. Sure. So my brave new world moment for Mage Wars was the first time I realized that if you have initiative and I hold my quick cast until the end, then I can quick cast next round I get initiative and I can quick cast again. And so I get two spells uninterrupted. And that doesn't necessarily seem like a lot on face value, but the end result is, if you're mindful of it, it can be really powerful. Um, how many times does someone have, like, uh, a nullify on their creature, and you really need to get a spell on them? Well, you know, you can fire one off at the end, and then fire the spell off that you need at the, the opening quick cast of the next turn. Right. So it's, it's being able to do that and manipulate those kind of things. Initiative in general, that kind of, that knowledge that, you know, it keeps alternating and ways to kind of take advantage of that is a huge thing. And the quick cast is the biggest example of that, um, simply because the opportunities you have for two spells are pretty huge. Um, but apart from that, it's, it's, it's important for movement. It's important, especially when running away from creatures, uh, etc. Now, specifically times you want to use the, the opening quick cast, obviously that's any time you're afraid of your opponent's first creature action. Mm -hmm. Anytime, anytime you're afraid of that, then the only chance you get to stop it is that one spell. Yeah, that's so. One, that's one of the only times I will do a big heal is if I really need to. It's basically, am I going to die if I don't get healed right here? Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm I, I play really reckless and aggressive and stupid a lot of times. But um, a lot of times when I'm using my opening quick cast, if I'm gonna do it, it's because I'm forced to do it. Um, if I don't do this action right now, is there a potential chance that something that I really want or myself is that going to get removed from the game and these are questions that i ask myself when i'm making those decisions otherwise i'd like to play it later in the turn just so i could see what's going to happen you know that the tempo in a match and especially in a round um can 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 just wave i mean it, it can go you can be up in your favor and then down in your favor in a single dice roll or rather down in your opponent's favor in a single dice roll and i think that's something that um it really behooves a lot of players don't necessarily um you may not want to just use your quick cast right at the beginning of the game you may have to but i generally save my my first quick cast for the have to's rather than the let me just go ahead and play this and spend my mana and now my opponent knows not only how much mana i have left in my reserve but kind of what my general strategy is going to be going into this round because a lot of times that first quick cast sets off a chain of a chain of motions right if i'm playing an incantation or an enchantment i'm going to be buffing something or or debuffing something and there's a reason for that so keep that in mind i think oh definitely um 
the the biggest thing is if if you use the quick cast at the beginning of the turn, the best advice I can give is only do what you have to do then. Right. And by that I mean um think about your turn. Does that need to happen right now? Does it have to happen right now? If not, hold it. By that I mean me casting um charge creature I control doesn't have to happen in that phase. Right. And the minute I do that, my opponent knows that I have a creature with charge, so he can either try and run away, or he can try and get in my way, he can try and put the wrong target in front of him. He he has extra knowledge, extra things he can do. Um, Now, the flip side is, I would say, something like putting a nullify on your opponent. Well, that's something that you probably want to do in that first quick cast phase. Or the end of a previous turn or something like that. The thing is, you want that on there before your opponent does whatever needs it. Um, basically, that, Jinx, anything that's going to be... Anything that you need to have on there when your opponent goes to do something, you need to get it on there in that first quick cast phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but anything, anytime you'd be telegraphing what you're doing to your opponent, you probably want to avoid. I don't want to say always, because I have seen people pull mind games. Right. But <laughs> oh, in yeah. general... Yeah, the old bait and switch. That's, I mean, that's a good tactic, but I don't think it's a very safe one. Um, well, the, prob- the problem is is that the most surprising play you can make in any turn, other than revealing several enchantments, is your quick cast because it can go before or after any friendly creature action. Right. So you have a chance to to surprise your opponent in there. So you, um, really quickly, Aaron, you, you just mentioned something that maybe new players may not fully understand. So can you break down what constitutes a quick cast ability or a quick cast spell, rather? Sure. Um, to use your quick cast marker, it has to be a quick spell. Um, which sounds really simple. Right. Uh, the vast majority of the time, it's a spell that is a quick action. Um, like literally a spell card that's a quick action. That you can cast. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is if you have any, if you have any abilities, whether on equipment or on your mage card, that say that they're a spell, like the Force Master's Force Pull. Mm-hmm. That's a quick spell, so she can do that with her quick cast. Um, you know, uh, battle orders off, off of warlord. either of the warlords. Uh-huh. That's a quick cast. Um, rest restore uh, on the priestess. That's a quick cast. So, and then there are, there are equipment like Aaron said as well, like staff of beasts that have quick action spells that you could do or, or quick spells that you could do during that mm-hmm. cast phase. So lots no, of absolutely. different opportunities there. Definitely. And, and that's, that's, it's something you want to keep in mind. Um, another, the, the other big thing I would say with the quick cast marker is that if you have mana and it's face up, 
it's always threatening. You could have completely bad cards in your hand because you picked uh, the wrong thing for what your opponent ended up doing. But as long as you have your quick cast up and you have mana, your opponent, your opponent has to play with that knowledge that you have options. And options are a very good thing. So um, that's, that's another reason why I try and hold on to my quick cast as long as I can, unless I have a specific plan for it. Right. And I will say about half the time I have a specific plan for exactly what I need that quick cast to do. But I will say I still try and hold it as long as I can because the sooner you use it, that's mo- like I said before, that's more knowledge your opponent has. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to play accordingly. Um, even if, even if your, your whole plan is, haha, I'm going to <laughs> cast a rouse the beast, you know, on a creature and then I'm going to use it. Well, I like to hold that as long as I can because I don't want them, effectively, I don't want them coming after the creature. Right. Also, I don't want them, you know, prepared, effectively. So that's that's a big part of it is that you're the one with all the knowledge of what's going to go on with your quick cast. So that's an advantage you have over your opponent. Now, I will say that if you hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it, and at the end you play it, and it's subpar, and it's not super useful, you know, then it wasn't really worth it. Sure. I mean, there's much you can do with the quick cast. Yes, many of them are going to be uninspiring. Oh, I put some armor on. Oh, I do a force push. Or, oh, I teleport. Like, it's not going to be like this amazing, oh my gosh, I killed you. But you want to get the maximum effect out of your spells, right? That's interesting. One of the one of my favorite things to quick cast would be probably the Straywood Beastmaster's quick summoning ability, just to be able to have a round where I get two creatures out. Um, I think is huge. I'm a big fan of swarm decks, um, and a lot of a lot of CCGs and LCGs. And um, uh, my Straywood Beastmaster deck is kind of built around that idea of getting a lot of little creatures out, which I can then buff or just swarm and, uh, and and make it. So that's that's another thing that I really like, the idea of being able to do is using that for that. Oh, definitely. And then, like I said, one of the things that I love about him, and I think I've said this before, is that if, I, if you have initiative, I can Straywood Beastmaster and cast a a creature during the closing quick cast phase and then it directly goes into I'm going to be the first one to act next round so the only thing you can do to stop that creature is your opening quick cast right so it's almost like you rouse the beast it right um not quite as good but it's close and it's it's those kind of um you know double plays uh that can really they can really turn a game. Yeah, especially I mean, because if you think about it, with Straywood specifically, you're playing what a level one creature, mm-hmm. 
right? So it's it's generally going to be something that's a little more squishy, generally. Um, so if you're playing something like Feral Bobcat or something that has that pounce or charge ability, a lot of times when that gets on the field, it's going to have a, a pretty big bullseye. One, it's a creature I can generally knock off if I'm doing a pretty good, uh, a pretty sizable attack in one roll. So if you did kind of the same idea what Aaron's talking about and wait till the very last, you play that Bobcat, it comes out, it can pounce the next turn, and now it's dealing more damage. And your opponent hasn't had a chance to just straight up swat it out of the out of the board yet, which I think is something to to be really considered about. Definitely, um, Aaron. We talked about before, and one of the things that I find, um, I don't necessarily know if I find it difficult or what. I, uh, maybe it's the way I'm explaining it to players, or is is the readying stage of the game right? And this this applies a bit to quick casting, um, but when I when I I'm teaching the game to somebody, and we go to the ready stage, and they're or, sorry, planning stage rather, um, and they're pulling out spells from their book. Um, generally, what I tell them is, you know, with with your mage, you're going to be able to do a, a few different actions. A lot of times, you'll have a full round action that you're going to be doing with your mage, depending on your playstyle. So, if you're wanting to get a creature, I think the majority of the time that you get the creature out, it's going to be a full round action. So it doesn't necessarily make sense to ready two full round action spells unless you're trying to say, well, if opponent does X, Y, or Z, I'll play card A. And if they do uh, RST, <laughs> I don't know what, what other letter combination I was going to use there, I'll play spell B. Um, so when I'm teaching the game, I usually tell them to, uh, at first, ready a full round spell and get a, uh, sorry, plan for a full round spell and plan for a quick spell just so you can use those quick castings or plan for two quick spells. That way you can still uh, maximize what it is that you're doing unless you're going to be spending the whole turn moving or using abilities from your, uh, from your equipment or from your mage that are inherent. But uh, can you talk a bit about planning, Aaron, and, and what you like to do as far as, and this may be geared a little bit more towards the newer players out there, but um, what's a way that makes, a, makes more sense in terms of what you're trying to do when you're planning? Sure. Um, oddly enough, uh, the best, the, like, the best advice I've seen on planning, um, comes from a gentleman on the forums, uh, and I'm trying to remember how you pronounce it, I think it's Charmia, um, he does a lot of spell books and stuff, and he gives really good descriptions of why he picks the spells he picks, what he does, mm -hmm. um, and where the strategy is. Now, the reason I say this is one of the things that he always talks about is useful actions. Right. And this is something this is something that I I latched on to very early. Um, basically Mage Wars there's a lot of resources. I mean, you have, you know, you have mana, you have your life. Um, obviously, you have your spell book full of spells. However, the, the hardest resource to get and the most important resource to use are your actions. Mm -hmm. Your mage only gets two. And unless you're willing to spend a lot of mana... You effectively don't get any more. So those two actions that can cast spells are hugely important. So when I'm planning spells, 
it's all about trying to get the most out of those actions. It's it's trying to make sure that I don't have dead actions. I mean, that's kind of the first step is when you play through a game is to go through and go, okay, I want to have as few dead actions as possible. I always want stuff to be useful or, um, you know, applicable. So, so for something like a, a Strayed Beastmaster, it's like, well, you know, I'm going to want to prepare uh, some sort of enchantment to buff someone because regardless of what happens, I'm investing in my own creatures, and so that's a useful action. Um, and I probably want the other one to be some level one spell. So it's like, oh, I can advance up the board a space, I can buff myself, and I can get out a creature. Those are those are all potentially useful actions. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing when you're planning, is to try and see what the most useful actions you can do are. And... Uh, a lot of this comes down to, like I'd said before, um, you know, when I build spell books, it's all about identifying a game plan. Know what I'm trying to accomplish. If you know what you're trying to accomplish and how, you know, basically where your path to victory is, then you know what your useful actions are. Right. If I'm, like, when we had Alex on here, he was talking about how his whole game plan was this philosophy of fire. His whole game plan was to keep putting damage on the table so that he could keep reusing it and that it would ramp. Mm -hmm. So that immediately tells you what your useful actions are. So, of course, for him, the useful actions are, shockingly, play more birds. Right. You know, um, and obviously there's a lot more to his spell book than that. But that's that's the basics of the planning phase is to have useful actions. The second thing for the planning phase, and this goes back to knowing your spellbook, you need to be able to identify threats quickly so that you can respond to them quickly. Um, I know I had posted up uh, a big spellbook for uh, a curse warlock as kind of an example, and like, hey. You know, this is a this is a spell book I made, and it's meant to to show this kind of style of play. Um, and one of the responses I got back from it was, "Well, this is cool, but what do you do if you're playing against, you know, an anvil throne warlord who's running uh, harsh forge plate?" And I resisted the urge to type slash cry, but. <laughs> The thing is, like, my response was basically like, no, that's that's a top priority. I can't win with that out. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that slows me down too much. So the minute I see it, I have to destroy it. Right. You know? And so you have to play with that in mind. You have to know where your weaknesses are. Um, you have to know how you're going to deal with them. And I will say that a lot of times, uh, well, I end up using uh, an old, an old military quote, which is, "No battle plan survives contact with the enemy." Right. Um, you can think that you have the perfect solution for a Dremelec, but you need to make sure to play 
and make sure that that solution works. Right, yeah. And by works, I, I don't mean, oh, man, I just play this and Drumlek's dead. No, it's whatever it, it takes to get you to survive, to get you to win, you know? Right. And that's why, like, Alex had Banish in his book. You know, the inexplicable six spell points spent on Banish. Um, but he had it for a very specific reason, and it was the most efficient solution he found for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that works. Um, so that's the second thing. The third thing, and this is where the planning phase gets a little crazy, anticipation. You pick things because you anticipate what your opponent's going to do. So earlier when I was talking about the quick cast phase, if I am beating down on you really hard, I'm going to anticipate that at some point you're going to try and heal yourself. So if that is what I believe is going to happen, then I'm playing a nullify. If you're not a warlock or a necromancer, then I'm putting it on you. If you are, I'm probably putting it on me because you're going to try and double down on this and you're going to try and do damage while gaining life because mm-hmm. you're greedy. It's okay. Just admit it. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is you're trying to anticipate what your opponent's going to play. Yeah. And I will say the best games of Mage Wars I've played personally, and this isn't like, oh my gosh, this was such a tight game, but this is the games where I felt I was playing my best were ones where the turn my opponent goes to play a card, I have the solution already because I knew that that is the situation I put them in. Mm -hmm. So I've had games where I push people really hard, and I'm like, hmm, the best thing they could possibly play against me right now is an elemental wand with, you know, chain lightning on it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prep my dissolve... They're going to get one chain lightning off, and it's going to be gone. Yeah. And it's it's stuff like that. Um, nullify, my, the nullify play when I stopped someone's heal, that was way cooler, personally, because it was awesome. But, <laughs> but it's that kind of thing. It's anticipating what they're doing. Um, like, I know uh, playing the druid that, that I've been playing for a while... It, puts, it tries to put a lot of pressure on early. So normally, people respond to pressure by trying to give themselves some breathing room. So they're going, ah, I'm going to throw down, uh, you know, armor. Or I'm going to throw down regenerate. Regenerate I was less worried about, but if they threw down armor, like, I'm already prepping acid balls because I want to keep damage going and I want to make my plants hit more. So it just keeps that pressure up, and it's anticipating what they're doing. So that's kind of the big things, is you want to try and make sure you have useful actions. Um, you want to try and identify your threats <coughs> so you know what you have to play uh, to respond quickly. And then you want to try and anticipate what your opponent's going to do. And that third one is the hardest, but I will say... I will say you feel like a mind reader when it works. Right. Um, Because, like, I was playing a game against Brian, and I I got off to a good start, and then I just started 
responding to everything he was doing before he was doing it. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> that doesn't happen often for me. I'm just laying that one out there. This sure. is one game. This is not indicative of the whole. Um, but at the same time, that's where you want to get to with your planning, to where you can you can pick the right spell uh, because it's a useful action. You can pick the right spell because it's going to help you respond to your threats. You can pick the right spell because you're anticipating your opponent's moves. Right. So that's that's my spiel on the planning phase. Yeah, I mean that's you. You brought up a lot of really excellent points. I think anticipation is is something I think that is absolutely crucial. And the the vast majority of the games I play are against people I'm either demoing the game to or I'm trying to recruit to get into the game. Uh, and then I have a couple of my buddies that we play you know pretty competitively with one another. But by far, the majority of the game, I'm showing new players how to do it. And one of the things that I think speaks volumes about this game and that really makes it so good is the fact that players can still surprise you. So Aaron talked a bit about, um, you know, imposing that, that imposing his will, you know, getting that, getting that uh, insurmountable force that is Aaron Brosman out on the table and making somebody back back him in the corner and forcing them to do something and then having the answer for that already prepared, which is awesome. I think one of the things that I love the most is the exact opposite of that, right? Is, is putting, uh, putting somebody in a position where I was thinking, hey, they, they got to do X, Y, or Z, and them thinking for a bit and planning and overcoming and finding their own answer to the situation that I put them in. And when it happens with a new player, it's, to me, one of the most rewarding experiences in the game, just as far as being a teacher goes, right? Um, it's just something that I think is really cool and something that Mage Wars continually provides um, possibilities for. Because the game is so dynamic in that aspect. There's so much strategy you can do. There's never going to be a 100% answer for everything. Um, at least with any luck, there's never going to be that. Um, so I think that's something that really speaks volumes into what the game is as a whole. Oh, definitely. That's when you know that it's... That's when you know you're playing a really good game. Yeah. And it's not just on your side. Is when your opponent surprises you... Uh, like, when you know where you have him and what he needs to do, and he gets a new solution out of it, that's when you know that it's really going to be a good game as a whole. Right. Uh, is when, when answers surprise you. Absolutely. In a good way. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, that, I mean, it, it, we've said it before, and I think we may be biased at this point, but, you know, it's the best game out there right now for a reason, I think. Um, definitely for two players, for sure. Um, we wanted to talk about a lot more, but I think we're already reaching our 30-minute mark, Aaron, uh, just with quick casting and planning. Um, really quick. I, I ramble a lot. <laughs> it happens. No, it was perfect. I mean, I think um, this podcast specifically is a great resource for somebody who's already gone through apprentice mode and is starting to do... Um, you know, starting that next chapter of their Mage Wars experience. And even some people may, um, that have been playing it for a while, that things that they just may not have thought to or yet, or have yet to have that light bulb go off with. So if you guys have some new players in your crew, I know we just had an episode talking about social engineering your Mage Wars group. Um, I think this is one of these, uh, a good resource to point into this, particularly this episode here. Um, before we go, Aaron, give me. Give me a two spell combination 
that you'd plan that and let's say that you have a blue sky scenario what are two spells that you think are just absolutely brutal to drop in a turn well um i think i can do two answers because the first one's cheap okay um I think that dropping two hurl boulders on someone's face really puts the fear of God in them. Um, yeah. It's or or fireball, just uh, two nuke spells like that. Because uh, if they overextend, you can drop that out there and and get them pretty pretty scared. Yeah. Um. Apart from that, there's a lot of there's a lot of good two spell combinations. Um, but I will say that my personal favorite, uh, I, I'm going to cheat again, I guess, because this is like three cards, but I really like any of the, any of the Druid's Vine creatures mm -hmm. and Rouse the Beast, um, because I like being able to drop them across the board and Rouse the Beast them that turn. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Being able to, like I had someone play... Uh, I think it was uh, Deathlock actually against me, and so the the round, basically the last activation of the round was me going, oh, summon Raptor Vine, drop it in the same zone as your Deathlock, cast uh, Rouse the Beast on it, and it attacks the that this turn, next turn. Uh, I think I battle furied it. I really hate that boss. <laughs> but I like that's probably my favorite thing is specifically because you can drop vine creatures on top of people. Uh, I think that Rouse the Beast is just absolutely amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I think I agree with that 100% as well. Um, you guys, uh, if you're not already following Mage Wars um, on social media, you need to check it out. It's uh, if you go to facebook.com forward slash Mage Wars and uh, Twitter at Mage Wars, uh, definitely follow it there. All the podcasts get shared there. You could follow us as well at Let's Level Up. Uh, all of our social media information is available on Let's Level Up net. Um, you can actually see I've got a picture on Facebook right now. Um, I was show I was showing one of my buddies, one of my good friends actually, um, Mage Wars for the first time, and my first roll of the game was a fireball that was dang near max damage, and then I closed the game out with basically the same thing, and it was just um, maybe not the most enjoyable experience for him, but it's really fun. Uh, those pictures are up on our Facebook page at Let'sLevelUp.net, so check that out. And um, you can follow Aaron at Ned the Destroyer on Twitter, and of course he is Ladin Fans on um, on the Mage Wars forums. And uh, we really appreciate all the feedback we've gotten over the past couple episodes. It's been tremendous, um, and I think uh, not only is this podcast starting to pick up steam, but I think after it seems like after Gen Con, there's been at least in my area uh, quite a bit more awareness of the game, and a lot of people, a lot more people playing it. So. We hope you guys have had luck engineering your social your social circles with Mage Wars. And um, again, if you ever have any questions about it, hit us up on the forums or uh, Twitter, um, and we'd be more than happy to talk to you. Aaron, do you have anything you want to say in closing? No, I'm good. <laughs> that is perfect. All right, guys. Well, until next time, um, we definitely appreciate it, and uh, game on. <laughs>